0: is about to begin hey 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 come on in welcome back to a post playoff Buckeye talk Doug Maurice in my hotel room after the wins by Clemson and Alabama on Saturday again we're getting this out to you a little bit late but thanks to you guys for listening to our daily Rose Bowl Buckeye talk podcasts we're going to go about half an hour tonight I'll, I'll delve into a little bit of what happened with Ohio State interviews today, but I want to start with the playoff stuff, because I think that's what you guys are thinking about, and a lot of people are thinking the same thing. Again, you can follow us on Twitter at BuckeyeTalkPod, although I haven't been tweeting from that very much, at Doug Lamarice at Steven underscore means. Uh, you can also email us at BuckeyeTalkPod at gmail.com or tweet us with your questions, and we will get to some questions. So the main the main thing you guys are asking about, right, is this. And by the way, I had a question after the last podcast of like, could I stop the coughing? And I'm not sure if you're familiar with coughing, but it's something that if people can stop doing it, they stop doing it. Very few people cough by choice. So this is not something that I am deciding to do. This is something that I am forced to do by the lingering effects of my influenza. I'm not sick, I just cough. Like that. So I'll try to keep it to a minimum, but there's only so much a man can do. Jonathan Sharps at sharpser underscore image. Would Ohio State have put up a better fight than Notre Dame and Oklahoma did against two elite teams in Bama and Clemson if Ohio State played Notre Dame or Oklahoma today? What would the outcome be? So that's two separate questions, and I think there's something that I want to get into. I think there's two things at play here, okay? There's two separate things at play. There is the issue of whether Ohio State should be, could be, is at the level of Clemson and Alabama. Because what people are saying right now is that there is a line in college football. And when Alabama and Clemson are now going to play in three of the last four national title games, and and Alabama has played... um, In four straight. The only time Alabama didn't make the national title game in the playoff era is when Ohio State beat them in the semis in 2014. That's what you thought, and I wrote this last year what Clemson is right this very moment, which is the challenger to Alabama, which is the team that continuously is the threat to the throne. We're talking about two teams at the top of college football. In 2014, what is happening with Clemson and Alabama right now? That's what you thought was going to happen with Ohio State and Alabama. Urban Meyer and the Buckeyes beat Alabama in the semis. They win the national title, and you think, here we go. Ohio State is going to emerge as the primary challenger to the Nick Saban dynasty. Instead, Dabo Sweeney took their spot. So that is one issue. One issue is why isn't Ohio State competing at the top level with Clemson and Alabama, and can they? Someone talked about the one-percenters. There's a gap in college football. I saw it on Twitter, and I'm going to ask people about this when we have media day with the full team uh, on Sunday. We are talking about one-percenters in college football, okay? And that might aggravate you, But the reason is because you think Ohio State should be one of those one percenters. That there are teams that are clearly above everybody else. And right now, that's Clemson and Alabama. And I think Georgia could enter that threshold shortly. The way they're recruiting, made the national title game last year, fifth in the standings this year. The biggest problem for Georgia right now is that they're in the same conference as Alabama. But the question is, can Ohio State enter that threshold? Could we be in a situation where... The one percenters aren't just Alabama and Clemson. Maybe they aren't just Alabama, Clemson, and Georgia, but Ohio State's in there too. That's one issue. But here's what I think. I think Ohio State on the field, let's see if I can explain this because I think it's two separate things. So the first issue is can they compete? I think Ohio State could compete if they were just continuously in a four-team tournament at the end of the year, every year. You had a four-team tournament, like you do in college basketball. Maybe they did it early in the season. It's an Alabama-Clemson-Georgia-Ohio State tournament. I absolutely think Ohio State could compete in that tournament. I don't really think that's the issue for Ohio State. It's not the first issue. The first issue is why is Ohio State not getting past Notre Dame and Oklahoma and these other schools to get in the playoff to have the chance to compete with Clemson and Alabama. And so that's the regular season issue for Ohio State. Clemson and Alabama, that's a postseason issue. Because Clemson and Alabama, they're getting to the postseason. They're going to be there. So if your issue is, can Ohio State compete in that level? We don't know because they haven't been in the playoff. They beat Alabama in 14. They made it back in 16 with a very young team and got shut out by Clemson. But in 15, 17, and 18, they didn't make it when they had the talent that was there to make it. The real issue is Ohio State getting there. And they don't have to get past Clemson and Bama because you may as well give those those two teams two spots and assume they're going to take those spots every year. What Ohio State has to worry about is Oklahoma and Washington and Notre Dame. And if you're given a spot to the ACC and the SEC, you're thinking about the second team in the SEC, the Big 12 champ the Pac-12 champ, and Notre Dame. Ohio State has to get past them. They must deal with that so they then can deal with Clemson and Alabama. So here's what I think, and this is two separate questions as it specifically relates to what happened on Saturday. I absolutely think Ohio State could have beaten Notre Dame, and I think that they could have played with Oklahoma. I mean, that uh, you think the same thing. We, we, who who, anyone with eyeballs would not disagree with that? We're just college football people, right? We're just watching the game. I don't have any greater insight than you on that. Could Ohio State beat Notre Dame? Yes. That's not the issue, though. The issue is, can Ohio State do what it needs to do during the regular season to get in the playoff ahead of Notre Dame? Can they beat Notre Dame? Yes. Could they compete with Oklahoma? Yes. They could compete with that Oklahoma porous defense. I'm not so sure they were going to stop Kyler Murray, but I think they could have gotten in a shootout with them. And I think Oklahoma's really good. But that's that's one question. So, And that's actually what, what our friend Sharper Image here asked two separate questions. One is, would they have beaten the two losers? And I think they could have beaten the two losers. Second question is, could they have beaten the two winners? Or could they, could they have given the winners a better game? And I'm not so sure about that. And I started this by saying... If you had a four-team tournament with Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, and Ohio State, Ohio State could compete. I think they could. But I don't know that they were going to beat Clemson or Alabama in this game. So, so the issue, if your issue is, the issue about should Ohio State have gotten in the playoff, right, is really an issue of did they get the right teams in the playoff to lose to the two teams that probably pretty clearly were going to be in the national championship game. And so that is an issue. Getting in the playoff is the first step, as I said. I don't think it's a great travesty. I don't think the fact that Notre Dame lost 30-3 to is something that Ohio State fans should pound their chests about. When the last time Ohio State was in, they lost 31 to nothing to the same team that beat Notre Dame 30-3. to I don't think the fact that Oklahoma lost by 11 is a great travesty. Because let me tell you this. Alabama only beat oklahoma by 11 and i say only because in the 10 game history of the semifinals there have been 10 semifinals played an 11 point game is the third closest game there's the double overtime game last year when georgia came back and beat oklahoma and there's ohio state's seven point win over bama here are the results of the other seven semifinals this is including the 27-point loss by Notre Dame. Here's the margin of victory in these seven other games. 39, 38, 31, 27, 20, 18, 17. So we can't hold up an 11-point loss by Oklahoma as some kind of proof of anything, because this is what the semifinals have been, and Ohio State's been part of that. And we can't hold up the proof of, of the 27-point loss as, as proof of anything, because there are three losses in the semifinals that are worse than that, including Ohio State's 31 nothing loss. So what Ohio State has to do is answer, this, I think it was the second question, which is get in the playoff ahead of everyone below Clemson and Alabama so you have a chance to show that you can compete with Clemson and Alabama. And I do think this was not an up year for Ohio State. and This is, again, the reality. And I wrote a piece today about two years ago, Washington and Ohio State were the two playoff losers. They both got blown out. Washington lost 24-6, to I think it was, or 24-7. Ohio State lost 31 nothing. And now they're both here in the Rose Bowl. Ohio State's lost three games since then. Washington's lost six. But I think the difference between Ohio State and Washington is that losing in the playoffs showed Washington what they could be. Losing in the playoffs showed Ohio State what they are not. That was a boost for Washington. That was a, hey, we have a chance to compete in the national scene. It was a wake-up call for Ohio State. That's just the difference of where Ohio State and Washington are as programs. The Rose Bowl is a victory for Washington. The Rose Bowl is not a victory for Ohio State. That doesn't mean this was a bad year, but it's not the intention. It's not the goal. And so I think there is somewhat of an issue here, and I'm not going to completely delve into this because I wrote it last year. Clemson has taken Ohio State's spot in college football. When you look at the four recruiting classes that made up the brunt of the rosters this year. I'm not going back to 2014 and the fifth year seniors, but I'm talking 2015, the fourth year guys, and then 2016, 2017, 2018. Okay. 2015, we're talking Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, because that's the issue. 2015, recruiting rankings Bama 1, Ohio State 7, Clemson 9. 2016, Bama 1, Ohio State 4, Clemson 11. 2017, Bama 1, Ohio State 2, Clemson 16. 2018, Ohio State 2, Bama 5, Clemson 7. So if we're adding up the recruiting rankings and you want a low number, Bama's an 8, Ohio State's a 15, Clemson's a 43. Ohio State has been beating Clemson and everybody else other than Bama in the recruiting rankings, but yet it's Clemson- that is the challenger to the throne and not Ohio State. So Ohio State, in recruiting, Ohio State has been the greatest challenger to Alabama. On the field, Clemson has been the greatest challenger to Alabama. So I I actually think I want to investigate this in the offseason. I think we have to stop talking about Bama and Ohio State. We used Bama as a comparison for a long time here at Cleveland.com because Ohio State it wasn't There wasn't a point to comparing Ohio State to Michigan or anybody else in the Big Ten. That was a given. So you compare them to the best. It doesn't make sense anymore. They're not Bama. But why aren't they Clemson? How did Clemson have Deshaun Watson, lose Deshaun Watson, and keep this going? They made it last year with Kelly Bryant. They didn't make the championship game because they were the one seed, lost to Bama in the semifinals. They made it last year with Kelly Bryant. They made it this year with Trevor Lawrence. They, they rebounded. They, you maybe thought Clemson was a kind of a one-player thing. They weren't. Why isn't Ohio State Clemson? I want to get into that in the, into this offseason. And so that's an issue. And the other issue is how do they stay ahead of Oklahoma, Notre Dame, Washington, and these other teams that are going to competing be competing for with playoff spots down the road? So if you're mad... If you're mad, and and, and I know this this maybe is contrary to what I said. I said all year, I thought Ohio State had a puncher's chance against Bama. I think they would have had that tonight because Oklahoma had that. And they got down early, and then they sort of recovered and made it a game. (coughs) Maybe, you know, they don't get down early, but ifs and nuts or candy and whatever. Nuts. I said nuts. So I think, I think they had a puncher's chance, but I don't think you can sit here and say, well, they would have beaten Alabama, and you guys aren't saying that. You're just saying they would have done what Oklahoma did. And I don't know that they would have beaten Clemson, right? Trevor Lawrence is pretty good. That defense is pretty good. They threw the ball. You saw them beating Notre Dame corners. I think Trevor Lawrence and those Clemson receivers could have beaten Ohio State corners as well. They couldn't have – you know, this was not a great – Year for Ohio the Ohio State secondary not compared to what they've been the Ohio State secondary at its best I'll tell you what 2016 that's as good of an Ohio State secondary as you're ever going to see with Malik Hooker Garyon Conley and Marshawn Lattimore in the same deck same secondary three first round picks in the same secondary Clemson hung 31 so if you're mad you're mad they weren't there but you're not really thinking they would have beaten the two best teams you're thinking they would have maybe represented themselves better than the third and fourth best teams. You certainly have an argument there. I mean, nobody would dispute that, but I, I don't know that that means that Ohio State should have been in. If people are sitting here saying, well, Ohio State and Georgia should have been in instead of Oklahoma and Notre Dame, well, you know, Georgia lost to Alabama too. Oklahoma, you know, give Georgia Oklahoma spot, give Ohio State Notre Dame spot. I, I don't know how much the world would have changed. We'll get into it more. I do want to ask, but, but but I think the question that's interesting to me is about the one percenters and, and why is Ohio State um, not there, not there, okay? All right, we're going to get into a couple more questions. And people are still tweeting at me. We're going to get a couple, couple more questions, but I just want to run through. I said I'd do this. I want to run through sort of what happened. Um, With Ohio State at the Rose Bowl on Saturday. The main thing was we talked to Ohio State offensive players. Did not get to see practice today. That practice window was gone. Talked to Washington defensive players. I'm going to write about this. I do think there is something here with this Washington secondary. There's at least three NFL guys in this Washington secondary, and I fell in love with Jimmy Lake, the defensive coordinator for Washington, who was their secondary guru and has established something At Washington, where they have a a standard in their secondary this sounds very similar to the standard Kerry Combs had with the OSU corners, where they go out and they recruit ball hawks, they recruit guys with ball skills. They tell them, if you come to Washington, we're going to get you to the NFL and we're going to win games while we're doing it. And that's what they've done. Byron Murphy, Jimmy Lake said that that corner for Washington has as good a ball skills as he's ever seen. This is a legit secondary. It's going to be a really good matchup. Okay. So I, I had said we weren't going to, I wasn't worried about Washington. I called him Wisconsin Northwest. I, this secondary deserves your respect because you know guys like Sidney Jones and Kevin King and Buddha Baker have come out of there as an highly drafted NFL prospects in recent years. And they're going to do it again. Byron Murphy is going to be a first round pick. And he's a corner who's going to give Ohio State receivers problems. So Dwayne Haskins, I think, is up to the task. Dwayne Haskins was really interesting on Saturday but but that I have come around on my complete disrespect for Washington I respect their secondary and I'll tell you what I apologize I just have to drink and I have to suck on a cough drop or I can't do it Jimmy Lake has been with Chris Peterson a long time he's an impressive guy His guys are telling great stories about him as a recruiter great stories about him as a motivator as somebody they trust I know Ohio State feels like it got a good coach in Alex Grinch when they took the Washington State defensive coordinator. Man, Jimmy Lake, go get him. Um, he's been with Chris Peterson a long time, with, with Chris Peterson at Boise. So I actually don't think you're going to go steal Jimmy Lake, but I'm just telling you, I think I, I gained some newfound respect for the Washington secondary. I'm going to write about it. I'm just telling you guys, that is a matchup to watch. Ryan Day. Thayer Munford is a game-time decision, according to Ryan Day. I just don't think he's going to play. So expect Josh Allaby to be at left tackle. That's going to be an issue. And that's part of this, too. It's like, I don't – the Washington State, the Washington defense is good, but, like, if Josh Allaby and Wyatt Davis and Malcolm Pridgen were three of your five starters against that Alabama defense, man, that would have been a thing. Um, that, that Ohio State offensive line we know played so well against Michigan. I'm not sure I would have put would have, wanted to put that line out there the way it's constituted now. Without Demetrius Knox, most likely without Thayer Munford against a team like Alabama or a team like Clemson. That would have been an issue. Um, Ryan Day talked about play calling next year. I think our man Bill Landis was asking about that. I do think it sounds like Ryan Day is very interested in, in being heavily involved with the play calling. My bet is he, call, he calls plays next year. we got to nail him down on that um, once this is over. But there's a lot of head coaches, when when offensive coordinators become head coaches, a lot of them keep the play calling duties. Sean McVay has the sheet on the sideline, right? Um, I think think that probably will continue, at least for next year. Dwayne Haskins compared Ryan Day to Sean McVay. Apparently he had done that before. I had not heard it with my ears before. But Dwayne Haskins, if you didn't read the story at Cleveland.com, also has talked to Justin Fields. Again, Dwayne Haskins and Justin Fields share a personal quarterbacks coach, Quincy Avery, who I've talked to for the Dwayne Haskins stories I've written, several of them. Um, There's a connection there. They worked out this summer. It was Deshaun Watson, Justin Fields, and Dwayne Haskins. Quincy Avery, this personal quarterbacks coach, loves Ryan Day. Says if he had a son, he'd send him to play for Ryan Day. So this is helping you connect the dots a little bit on on how, how did Justin Fields get interested in Ohio State? Well... Dwayne Haskins had great success here. He worked out with Dwayne Haskins. The guy he worked out under, Quincy Avery, has seen Dwayne Haskins' success, has talked with Dwayne Haskins throughout his success, and has great respect for Ryan Day. So that matters. I just It it seems like it's going to happen, and it seems like it may happen quickly. Ohio State starts classes on January 7th. And I think if Justin Fields is going to come and petition the NCAA for immediate eligibility, he wants to be here for spring semester, which starts January 7th, so he can be here for spring football. Expect that. We're going to hopefully talk to assistant coaches along with the players, the two D players on Sunday. We're going to try to ask some assistant coaches about what things are like, trying to figure out again who may be back. There's certainly going to be some guys who aren't going to be back. I'm debating if I should try to to, uh, have a long conversation with Bill Davis. We only get half an hour on Sunday. Everybody's going to want to talk to Tate Martell, or at least a lot of us are. Again, it's the two deep. There's a couple interesting guys in there. I want to talk to Baron Browning if I can. Um, there's some guys I want to get to. I can't spend my whole time with Bill Davis, but I may give it a shot. So I'll report back on that if it happens. But I do think the interesting thing about Dwayne Haskins and Justin Fields just, just help push this Justin Fields story along a little bit. And again, go read it at cleveland.com. I had a long conversation with Dwayne Haskins about his mental abilities as a quarterback, which have impressed me all year. Quincy Avery, who has worked with a lot of guys, said Dwayne's as smart as anybody he's worked with. And Dwayne was pretty interesting talking about the trust that Ryan Day has given him over the course of the season. He feels like he has the keys to the car. He can he can identify plays that he likes. He and Ryan Day talk about it during the game. Dwayne Haskins suggests things. Ryan Day listens. <coughs> Dwayne Haskins is changing plays at the line, changing protections, as, all, as many quarterbacks do. But I'm just telling you, I think when I asked Dwayne Haskins how he's going to translate to the NFL in that aspect of the game, he said, I'm going to kill it on the board, which is the whiteboard where you're up diagramming plays. And I think he's going to do that too. We talked about NFL draft decisions. Dwayne Haskins said he's been talking with K.J. Hill, Mike Weber, and Michael Jordan about their draft decisions. Mike Weber, we know, is going pro. Haskins sort of said, you know... If you're doing it for the money, that's not right. You know, you have to be ready. You should be doing this for the fun of it. <clears throat> Gave some quotes that maybe could be viewed as optimistic for Ohio State fans. But again, I just, I just cannot imagine getting your hopes up. I do think Michael Jordan's going to be back, though. And Ryan Day was asked about it. I think the plan, and Ryan Day spelled this out, I think this makes sense. I think we've talked about this. The offensive line next year will be Michael Jordan at left guard, Josh Myers at center, Wyatt Davis at right guard. Michael Jordan as a fourth-year senior, four-year starter, and then Josh Myers and Wyatt Davis as redshirt sophomores in their third year. Um, Michael Jordan wasn't All-American this year at center. I don't really think he should have been. I thought he was better last year as a guard. He's clearly more comfortable as a guard, and that's a important part of his decision to come back. I think he appreciates the fact that he added some versatility by playing center this year, but he doesn't think that's his spot. He's 6'7", he said. I said that's tall for a center, right? He said, I can tell you that is tall for a center. So some of his snapping issues have been related to that. And he's just not as comfortable. He likes to get out. He's an athlete. He wants to get out and have a little more space to to plant a defensive lineman. Maybe get out and pull sometimes, but even just get a little more of a step. He said, when you're the center, the guy's right on top of you. <clears throat> he said I can get more knockdowns at guard. So he wants to be a guard. So I think he's going to come back next year. I think it's going to be really good for this offensive line. I think if you start with the idea that the offensive line next year is Thayer Munford at left tackle, Michael Jordan at left guard, Josh Myers at center, Wyatt Davis as right guard, and then either Nicholas Petit-Frere, Josh Alabi or Brandon Bowen at right tackle. There'll be an open competition there to replace Isaiah Prince. I think that's a pretty good line. Again, I thought the line had issues at times this year. They played very well against Michigan, as I wrote. But I think that would be a better line. Michael Jordan would be better. Um, you're going to improve at guard. Um, you're going to be better at center, I think, just because you're going to have someone who wants to play the position as more of a natural fit at the position. Thayer Munford's going to be a year older and a year better. And Prince was pretty good at times this year. He had some issues, but he was much better than he was in past years, and that's going to be an issue. Um, that's all right. Let's see if there's a couple more questions here. We're going to try to keep it short. I really wanted to dig, dig into the fact Um, that we were dealing with playoff issues here. Um, Anthony Clawson was saying, I know it's speculation, but am I the only person that came away from that Clemson-Notre Dame game thinking that OSU would beat both of them? I'm trying to not have scarlet color glasses. Um, So, you know, I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, no, you're not the only person. All right, you're not the only person. Um, How do you see Ryan Day differing from Urban Meyer as a head coach? Today, he said he was going to be very involved in the offense still. Did Urban take the same approach? Zach Dixon With that question, Urban Meyer said this year that he was less involved with the play calling than ever before. So Urban Meyer wasn't the play caller, but he always had play calling veto. He was always on the headset with guys. He was very involved. I do think Ryan Day could easily evolve into that style eventually. You're on the headset. You're having a discussion, but the actual play is called by somebody else. But you are directing what type of play you want. And the thing I've always said with that is, Urban Meyer might say on third and two, I want to run wide. And then Ryan Day says, okay, we're going to run 32 black X combo banana. So Ryan Day is calling the play, but he's calling the play that Urban Meyer asked for. Um, Ryan Day, I think next year wants to call 32 Y X combo banana himself. So that's the difference. But Urban Meyer was very involved. He he let off the reins with Ryan Day more than ever this year, and it was very difficult for him to do that. It's not his natural inclination. And there's been kind of a debate over time, for instance, in 2015, when things didn't go great with the offense. Well, was it that it was Ed Warner and Tim Beck calling the wrong plays? Should Urban Meyer have taken more control? Was it perhaps that Urban Meyer was too involved and those coordinators could never get in a rhythm? Um, there was a lot of convoluted stuff with the process that year that Ed was on the field and Tim Beck was in the box and then they had Tim Beck calling the plays actually from the box and they moved Ed Warren up to the box and Urban was in there. There have been some people over time who have thought maybe that Urban was too involved. So you want to give your offensive coordinators freedom, right? But you want to give them freedom within the context of what you want to do. So um, I think Day Day is going to call play, so that will be different. The one thing we were talking about, we, was Bill Landis and I were talking about this, just sort of like in, in a funny way. We were talking about how Ryan Day had danced after one of the wins early in the year. It was like on the Ohio State Snapchat or Insta, Instagram feed on their Twitter account showing Ryan Day dancing with the players. Urban Meyer doesn't dance. So we said it would be interesting to divide the 130 coaches in Division I football into dancers and non-dancers. And part of that's an age thing. Um, Part of that's a personality thing. Listen, Urban Meyer's the coolest guy in the room. And when Urban Meyer walks in the room in his white Ohio State windbreaker with the collar popped up, everyone takes notice. That guy doesn't dance. That guy doesn't dance in the locker room, okay? Because then you lose a little bit of the aura. So Ryan Day doesn't have an aura right now, right? He's a good quarterback's coach. He's a good offensive mind. Quincy Avery likes him. But Ryan Day dances. So I think he's going to have a little bit more of a direct connection like that. Urban Meyer was obviously connected with his players. But I think Urban Meyer wasn't quite down in the dirt with them. Urban Meyer had an aura about him. I think Ryan Day is going to be a level closer to the players just because of his age and because of his lack of a resume. Right? I don't know that, you know, Urban Meyer would show guys his rings. Ryan Day can't. What's Ryan Day's going to show... Show them like the year they went 2-14 with the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, I'm joking, but I mean, it's not the same, right? Urban Meyer could close guys in his office with his rings. So Ryan Day has some rings with Ohio State here. He doesn't have any rings as as a head coach. So then maybe if you don't have rings, maybe you dance. So I think there's going to be some things like that that are going to be a little different. It's going to be interesting to watch. And I'll tell you the other thing. When we were at practice the other day, and again, we get to watch 15 minutes, two practices here. Urban Meyer lights these guys up. Lights them up. When they start practice, they stretch, and then they huddle up, and Urban Meyer is in there, and he is saying naughty words, and he is yelling at them, or, yell, or motivating them. I mean, he's, not, he's, not, he, he's just telling them what he expects from that practice. And I know when Ryan Day started, Greg Sciano and Kevin Wilson and Mickey Marotti, the guys around it. I think even Greg Sciano said the first day, Ryan Day, kind of didn't really do that, but he grew into that, right? He's not going to be like Urban Meyer from the start on that. And I don't even know what his strategy is with that. But that was Urban Meyer as a motivator, getting on guys, what he expected, setting a standard for a practice, setting a standard for everything. When I did a story about a week ago about why he was successful, I asked, I think, maybe the seven, seven of the best players in the team. And the common theme was the standard he set, the standard he enforced, every single little thing, they demanded perfection, whether you're running a drill, whether you're you're, you know, just running in practice, like every, the way you stand in line, everything is demanded to be perfect. And he could do that because Urban Meyer was like that. It was very easy, I think, in his personality. And there's good and bad with that. It's part of why he had to retire. Because he's like, he's he's that guy. But a lot of his success was was because of that. It It doesn't mean Ryan Day has to be that guy. Not every coach is exactly like that. But I'm curious to see how Ryan Day goes about that. I will be very curious. I hope we get a little more of a peek at spring football this year. I'll be very curious to see the way Ryan Day talks to his team on the practice field when they are assembled compared to how urban meyer did it there's a lot of different ways to get this done and ryan day doesn't have to do it urban meyer's way he shouldn't do it urban meyer's way but i'll be curious to see how he goes about it and if zach's asking for differences i think that might be one of them all right you know what that's about that's about it um a lot of you guys saying the same saying the same thing right multiple multiple tweets Ohio State was there as a playoff contender. Um, I I mean, I do think there's a point there that depending how the bowls go, Georgia's playing Texas in the Sugar Bowl. Ohio State playing Washington in the Rose Bowl. Um, Ohio State could move up. They could move up in the final AP and coaches' rankings, maybe get into the top four, Um, at least jump Notre Dame, because now that Notre Dame's not undefeated – um, if Ohio State wins the Rose Bowl and you're comparing one last Notre Dame and one last Ohio State, if you're undefeated, you're undefeated. That carries a lot of weight. They're not anymore. They lost 30 to 3. So I think there would be room for Ohio State to move up in the final polls, maybe get into the top four. I don't know if people would, I have, I have a vote. I'm one of the people who will, who will decide that. Because the final rankings, there's no final playoff rankings because the playoffs are over. Um, so the AP poll and the coaches' poll, determine sort of your final ranking of the year could they get in the top four could they get in the top five a lot of times you reference things like <clears throat> how many years has a team finished in the top five that's maybe a little bit of a goal for this Ohio State team can they finish in the top five if they win the Rose Bowl I think they will because Notre Dame's coming out I'll tell you that so there's if they're six right now um, Notre Dame comes out even if Georgia beats Texas I think they move up and they could be in the top five so that's a little motivation we will have a lot to report from Team Media Day. It's early out here at least. It's 9 15 Pacific time on Sunday. Just as, oh, the Browns are a late game tomorrow. That's right. <clears throat> so we'll have reports on that on Tate Martell and some of these other guys we get to talk to. Then we have Urban Meyer and Chris Peterson the day after on Monday. I also have another little interview that I have set up that I'm going to do on uh, Monday that I hope turns into an interesting story for you guys. Uh, And then we'll have the game on Tuesday. And then I think we're going to have assistant coach movement when we get back. Classes start the 7th. There's a late signing period in February, and I just think Ryan Day wants to get this stuff situated. He has not yet moved into Urban Meyer's office, but I think we very well could hear about... uh, multiple staff changes this week well this coming week the games on Tuesday I think maybe by Friday we might have some news on some stuff so we might have some stuff some news on Justin Fields very quickly so don't go anywhere after the Rose Bowl don't turn off your Ohio State football brain because we're going to have assistant coaching news we're going to have Justin Fields news maybe and uh, things are going to be happening with the new era of Ohio State football so thanks to everybody who's sending questions uh really wanted to hit mostly on the playoff we'll get more into game preview stuff we'll get more into what everybody said at, at media day tomorrow so we have a couple more daily podcasts ahead um and then we'll do certainly a wrap-up after the game on the first as always thanks to you guys for listening thanks to our friends at shopohiostate.com and minutemantickets.com patronize them the way uh They helped us out here at Buckeye Talk as our first two sponsors. ShopOhioState.com is the online bookstore for the Ohio State University Barnes and Noble Bookstore on High Street. Great, 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 great stuff. Minuteman Tickets, local guys with a national ticket selection that'll set you up, concerts, theater, sporting events, go to MinutemanTickets.com and make our ticket guys your ticket guys. So for now, from my hotel room, As I attempt to not cough, I'm Doug Maurice. and that was Buckeye Talk.